0: Welcome to the Nuclear Information and Resource Service, or NEARS, quarterly telebriefing, July 2019, Voices from the Frontlines of Nuclear Waste. Uh, NEARS is a nonprofit, national public interest group devoted to a nuclear free, carbon free world. We've served as the information and networking hub for people and organizations concerned about nuclear power radioactive waste, radiation, and sustainable energy issues since 1978. This is Diane DeRigo, Radioactive Waste Project Director, and I will be facilitating the presentations and discussions. Uh, This national telebriefing is an opportunity for the NEARS network uh, and the general public to listen, learn, and take action. The call is being recorded, and we will be posting it soon on our website at www.nirs.org. Our three speakers will present for the first 30 minutes, followed by your uh, um, callers' uh, questions and discussion. All but the speakers are now on mute until the question and answer session begins. And when that happens, uh, to ask a question or make a very brief statement, you can press star six to get into the queue and be unmuted. Thanks to everyone for joining us tonight. Um, As I said, we have in the range of uh, uh, 100-some registrants for this call, and um, we look forward to a lively discussion. This is Voices from the Front Lines of Nuclear Waste. Uh, Residents of Texas and New Mexico are facing down the nation's radioactive waste corporations and congressional leaders who want to put massive new nuclear dumps in their communities. Since the dawn of the nuclear age, dirty, dangerous, and expensive nuclear power, which is not too cheap to meter, as was promised, has been creating radioactive waste for every watt of electricity generated intensely radioactive waste, dangerous now and dangerous for over a million years, is being created. It is in the form of 80,000 metric tons of irradiated nuclear fuel uh, rods or spent fuel, as it is sometimes referred. It is stored at the reactors, the nuclear power plants that created it, in 40-foot-deep water-filled pools and in dry casks uh, at the 100-plus nuclear reactors uh, around the country and over 400 reactors around the world. There's no permanent way to isolate this waste, or no permanent way has evolved during these uh, decades. And the proposed permanent waste sites that have been proposed have all been shown to be incapable of isolating the waste or meeting the regulations for permanent disposal. In 1987, Yucca Mountain, Nevada, Western Shoshone land was picked by Congress. And in 2010, it was canceled by the administration uh, to serve as the permanent disposal site. But it will not work. The concept of supposedly interim or temporary storage has been proposed. And this is then proposed over and over since the 1970s repeatedly rejected uh, but it's back again despite being technically illegal two companies are now applying for uh, to the new, to the US Nuclear Regulatory Commission to bring this most deadly high-level radioactive waste to West Texas and Southeast New Mexico uh, to the waste control specialists or ISP, Interim Storage Partner Site in Andrews, Texas, near Midland, Texas, and uh, Holtec and the, Ener- the Lee Energy Alliance in southeast New Mexico. The technology for waste storage would be nearly identical to that at the reactor sites except that it would have to be moved thousands of miles to the sites and then again away if it is really a temporary site. Better storage is essential no matter where the waste is, but moving the waste through the whole country for one way will take 40 to 50 years and then again um, to a permanent site. The containers are not safe enough, won't last long enough. Um, we need to work on making better storage at the facilities. We're going to hear now from folks whose communities are targeted to take that waste. Uh, our speakers will share what it's like to be targeted for nuclear dumps, uh, areas that didn't even have nuclear power, um, and the steps that they are taking to stop these new dumps and the steps to stop the massive transport, the mobile Chernobyl of radioactive shipments that would be triggered across 87% of the U.S. congressional districts. And then we will address uh, what's happening in Congress to to try to uh, make these illegal dumps legal. Our speakers are David Rosen, geologist, independent businessman, um, active in local and state government in Midland, Texas, and concerned local resident. Rose Gardner from Eunice, New Mexico, florist, co-founder of the Alliance for Environmental Strategies, uh, concerned and active on the nuclear issue for many years from the original proposals for the URANCO Uranium Enrichment Facility in New Mexico and the Waste Control Specialist Storage, Treatment, and Disposal for so-called low-level waste and, and weapons waste at Andrews. Um, Don Hancock is the uh, is in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the Nuclear Waste Program Safety Director and Administrator at Southwest Research and Information Center, uh, Southwest Research started up in 1971 it's a multicultural organization working to promote the health and uh, safety of the people and communities protect natural resources ensure participation and secure environmental and social justice now and for future generations Don just got the uh, Alliance for Nuclear... Rose and Don both received awards at the Alliance for Nuclear Accountability, a watchdogging organization that meets annually in D.C. to change federal... (laughs) to to affect federal legislation. And over time, um, uh, Don has become one of the nation's experts on nuclear waste and tracking nuclear legislation and policies. So we will start out uh, with David. David um, from Midland, Texas. I'm not too far from the proposed waste control specialist independent, uh, I'm sorry, interim storage partners facility in Andrews County. Go, David.
1: Thank you, Diane. So, we in Midland are probably about 50 miles or 55 miles from where the storage would be. And many of you, particularly those. in the northeast or who live around uh, the Bay Area or even Los Angeles might think, well, 50 miles is pretty far. Well, here in West Texas, that's just uh, a hop, skip, and not even a jump. Uh, We drive those distances a couple times every day, um, not uncommonly to uh, visit our work sites, etc. And so One of the things we're concerned about is the location of this uh, proposed high-level nuclear waste because, first of all, we had no interest in creating it. We didn't profit by it. And we're concerned that it's going to hurt our livelihoods. It's going to hurt. It would uh, hurt cattle. Um, It would hurt... Uh, agriculture, and it would hurt the uh, petroleum business as well. And we think that in the 40,000 tons of nuclear waste that is being proposed to be stored at uh, the ISP site in far west Texas, would take hundreds of railroad trips to bring this waste to West Texas and I don't know about you guys but out here uh, at least once a month we're hearing about some train wreck, Uh, some one train ran into another train or a train ran into an 18-wheeler and there's, uh, there's stuff to be cleaned up on the tracks. Well, can you imagine if one of these casks of high-level nuclear waste was breached in one of these uh, train wrecks, it would be just horrible. It would shut down east-west trains. Uh, There's a train line that runs all the way from east Texas through San Antonio, uh, through uh, Midland and uh, and Odessa, and doesn't go, uh, does wind up going to El Paso and further west. But there's spurs that would take the waste off to uh, southern, southeastern New Mexico, and the West Texas spot is just a hundred feet inside the state line. So, if one of these casks were breached in an accident, Um, it would shut down that railroad line for who knows how long. We know that there was uh, an accident in southeast New Mexico at the waste injection pilot plant. Now, granted, that is a different different type of radioactive waste, but nonetheless, somebody thought they were being green, and so instead of the regular kitty litter that they were putting in barrels to absorb fluid – They put in organic kitty litter. They thought, oh, this is great. We'll get bonuses because uh, we're helping this waste injection pilot plant to go green. Well, it turned out that that stuff didn't absorb the fluid as well. Uh, Some barrels had their tops popped off them, and the cleanup took about two and a half years and is over a billion dollars and slated to be $2 billion. So... And of course it's federal money that's paying for that cleanup. The local community has been hearing about this for years. There's a low level waste dump at that location currently. And what does that mean? Well, it's supposed to mean things like gloves. So
0: David, you're talking now about WCS or waste control specialist. You you were talking about WIP and now you're you're shifting back to the waste control specialist site, right?
1: yes I am exactly okay
0: great okay
1: so the waste uh, the um, interim uh, interim storage partner site as I now call it um, has low-level waste well people here weren't that concerned about that because we were told well this is going to be just low-level nuclear waste stuff that comes out of hospitals and like that well Then that operated well for, um, and we never heard of any accidents for the past 10 years. However, the high level nuclear waste has us up in arms because we may not hear about accidents, but with the number of shipments that are probably gonna be coming out, we would sure learn about it. Um, I know that the nearest fire department to the to the uh, WCS or ISP place is a volunteer fire department. And they didn't even have a Geiger counter. It was over in New Mexico. All the m- money that um, waste control specialists was going to give to the government for storing this, it wasn't even going to any of it was going to go to the nearest volunteer fire department because of of course that's across the state line. So we were at uh, this hearing last week in Midland and there were about 130 people came in this courtroom to listen to this the first day. We had had a uh, press conference the day before, got all the local media, about uh, four television stations, two newspapers. And 35 people were attending that. And we got a lot of press coverage about it. And that was good. Because we don't want this waste, this high-level nuclear waste here. We think it's it's dangerous. Um, it's not uh, per the current law. Current law says high-level nuclear waste can only go to a permanent repository. And this uh, repository in... West Texas is termed to be temporary. Well, we don't believe that. Uh, We think that once it gets put there, it's never leaving. Can you even imagine that we're we're being told that after 40 years, they're going to take these barrels and move them to a permanent site? Uh, Even in their application, they say, well, we might have to apply for another 40 years after that. Well, sorry, I don't believe that barrels are going to last 80 years in the 100-degree summers of West Texas. We already can see from satellite photos that these barrels are going to be stored on the surface, allegedly away from water, but they're in pits, and we can see that the there is groundwater filtering into these pits. Uh, one of the local uh, uh, water reservoirs or uh, aquifers has been cut through and yes, it's draining into these pits and they've got uh, pumps on them constantly. And We don't think that these will hold up. We know that chlorides will help to uh, uh, create cracks in these uh, barrels. We think it's just not a good idea to put it here. Um, and so we're not happy about it. We're going to be talking more and more to our local politicians and statewide politicians and national politicians because there's not a huge population out here, but um, we're concerned about having this high-level nuclear waste shipped to area that cannot handle it and allegedly will be moved Well, we won't be around in 40 years to see that it is, and nor will the people currently running the company called ISP.
0: And do you want to just let us know about, I think, the resolutions in Texas and the governor's recent statement?
2: Sure.
1: Both, uh, all three, the uh, Midland County Chamber of Commerce, the Midland County Commissioners, the Midland City Council, have all put together resolutions saying we don't want high-level nuclear waste coming through our town. But of course, they really have no force. They're just uh, um, acknowledging that nobody here is happy with it. Happily, the governor, Greg Abbott, uh, vetoed a bill that was going to give financial incentives to this company and saying uh, he tweeted out some people want to put high-level nuclear waste in Texas. I'm not going to let them. And that is a was a big plus. But of course, he's still only the state governor and we need to be talking to our federal representatives and let Congress know that they really need a permanent repository and it shouldn't be here in West Texas on the surface.
0: Thank you so much. And we'll get back to you with uh, questions um, after the next two speakers. So Rose Gardner is a, um, is, is next. I, she's a forest from Eunice, um, New Mexico. Uh, actually, of our speakers, the closest to both of the sites where she lives and has been um, concerned and involved for many, many years. Oh, and she's with Alliance for Environmental Strategies. Go ahead,
3: Rose. Yeah, thank you, Diane. Uh, Yeah, um, I live here in Eunice. I was actually born here and haven't strayed too far since. But anyway, I've been involved in this uh, anti-nuclear fight for a long time. I started out with uh, fighting New uh, was actually represented by Public Citizen and NEARs and uh, supported by many other groups um, to, for an intervention on their license. Um, unfortunately, uh, we didn't uh, get in the fight, so they got their license and have this uh, huge, monstrous facility just outside of town. Uh, the other uh thing I was involved in was uh when WCS uh, started uh to apply for their low level nuclear waste uh to be brought in. Uh not just from what the original three state compact waste which was uh early on they started accepting waste and got approval to accept waste from thirty six and then Everywhere else in the states. So now we're, uh says, is a low level nuclear waste site as well as taking all those horrible PCBs from the Hudson River in New York. Uh, they get nuclear waste from other states and are looking at trying to, to get uh, the greater than Class C waste. Uh, modifications done. Anyway, they're growing and growing, and now they want this high-level nuclear waste, commercial waste at a privately owned facility. And currently, of course, the Nuclear Waste Policy Act says that's not legal. So that's one argument that we are proposing. the other is, of course, that uh, there's no consent. This community does not consent to WCS uh, ISP bringing in nuclear waste. I also uh, am currently involved with Fighting Whole Tech, which is another uh, high-level nuclear waste license applicant who, who has a very, it's starting to be a very dark history. is starting to pop up finally. Uh, If you look them up, they've had a lot of issues regarding New Jersey tax uh, exemptions and how they came about trying to acquire those, which include lying on their application to the state of New Jersey, some bribery perhaps involving uh, trying to get some uh, uh, work in New Jersey, Uh, And most recently in New Mexico, we're learning that perhaps there was some backroom activity between Holtec and Ely, the company in uh, Lee County, E-L-E-A, which uh, has the land that Holtec wants to build their facility on. So there's a lot of things going on in this area. And there is a little bit of difference between the two, but they're both proposing high level nuclear waste. HOTEC wants a lot of waste, uh, uh, over 100, and, I believe it's 140 or 130,000 metric tons. And at WCS, it's a lower amount, I believe it's 40,000 metric tons. But you wonder how these concentrations of these nuclear power plant waste all in one area would affect not just the air, the land, and the groundwaters. How is it going to affect people just driving by these facilities or working there or, uh, as it was brought up, uh, you know, an aircraft accident or deliberate Uh, you know, human intervention in some way. How is that going to affect the facilities and those workers that are around here? Because it's not just uh, workers at the facilities. It's the oil field workers. You've got people that actually go out to these sites and near and around. They travel by the highways. They travel nearing around the rails that would be bringing the waste to either side. And in Unis, you know, it's closest to WCS, it would see every shipment of the nuclear waste coming in. And it's over 40 years, some 4,000 shipments maybe. That's a lot of waste coming to this community. As uh, David pointed out earlier, you know, we're never going to see the end we won't know what happened so consequently, we have to speak up we have to protect what's ours we live here we breathe the air we drink the water we care about our our human uh, family not just here but along the way can you imagine living over here knowing that we let this happen and some horrible thing happened in Dallas or in California or in New York? What if something horrible happened over there and we knew it was coming over here? I don't want the burden. But nevertheless, that's our concern, is that um, the concentration of the waste in one place, the transportation, the actual storage of the waste, who's going to protect us? And um, not just one dump, but two. And not just for the waste that's already here and created and sitting somewhere at a a power plant location. What about the future waste that's going to be created? Because that's what that big number's for. They're making room for more. They're not taking care of the problem, which is, where's the permanent storage going to be? You know, where's the consent for permanent storage. If we're going to become a de facto storage, nobody's asked me if I wanted it. So again, that's where we come from here in, in South East New Mexico and and we, we just don't want it.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Rose. Um, and now our last speaker um, is Don Hancock, Southwest Research and Information Center. Go, Don.
4: So thanks, everybody, for being on the call, and I think many of you probably have already been helpful in some way or another in this effort. Uh, people not only locally but around the country submitted comments to the NRC um, about both one or both of these facilities, um, so there were tens of thousands of people who submitted comments in opposition to the NRC. Um, Perhaps some of the people on the call tonight are from uh, some of the groups from around the country who have uh, been trying to intervene in the Nuclear Regulatory Commission licensing process. Um, Some of those groups were represented at the uh, hearing David mentioned last week in Midland. Um, uh, Many of the same groups were, uh, are involved and have and came to Albuquerque in January of this year for a similar uh, hearing that the Nuclear Regulatory Commission Atomic Safety and Licensing Board held uh, in Albuquerque on Holtec. So we appreciate the fact that folks in um, other parts of the country also understand that it's it's a it's a problem for people on the front lines, but it's also a, a problem for people across the country. So we appreciate that. Um, As has already been mentioned, and what I'm going to more focus on is what's happening sort of nationally on this. It's already been mentioned that the proposals that Holtec and um, WCSISP uh, predicate on is that the federal government through the Department of Energy will uh, pay for these facilities and will take uh, title to the waste. Um, but that can't happen under the existing law because the existing law, the Nuclear Waste Policy Act of 1982 and the 1987 amendment, state that utilities are responsible for the spent fuel storage. DOE is responsible for disposal at Yucca Mountain. So um, if utilities want to do storage at their sites. They're required to do that, and Diane talked about that. Um, If some utilities wanted to create their own and pay for their own interim storage sites, someplace, they could do that. In fact, several utilities did that, Uh, and in 2006 the Nuclear Regulatory Commission gave a license to nuclear utilities uh, under the name of private fuel storage the store spent fuel on Skull Valley shoot land in Utah. Um, so we've had a licensed facility uh, like what's being proposed for Holtec by Holtec and ISP, um, but it hasn't taken any waste and it won't take any waste um, because of state opposition and uh, resulting in Congress creating a wilderness area around the site. Uh, Even so, NRC went ahead and licensed it, which shows something about what the NRC cares about uh, the law. Um, So because of that, these two companies, as well as industry supporters and some folks in Congress, know that they need to change the law so that these facilities would be able to operate. Um, And there are two people who remember their uh civics lessons or understand how Congress works knows that there are two ways that uh Congress uh changes law and funds these kinds of projects. One is through the appropriations process and the other is through authorization. So the Nuclear Waste Policy Act is is an authorizing bill that's been in place uh and for more than thirty five years. Um and so, one means would be to change that law or create a new authorizing law. What uh, they've been more actively trying to do, what the industry and some of the supporters have been more actively trying to do uh, for the last 10 years, is to change the law through appropriating money through appropriations laws. So, uh, since 2012, the Senate. Um, Appropriations Subcommittee, it's called the Subcommittee on Energy and Water, has included funding uh, to create a, quote, pilot interim storage site that DOE would be responsible for as a way of promoting the kind of facilities that Holtec and WSCS are um, trying to support. Up until this year, the House had never included such a provision, and the House instead had tried to fund Yucca Mountain, even though, as Diane mentioned, the Obama administration had canceled it. Well, as only Congress can compromise, the the compromise between the House saying fund Yucca Mountain and the Senate saying fund consolidated storage has been that there's been no funding for either Yucca Mountain or consolidated storage, so that's been a good thing. Uh, The dynamic has changed a little bit Uh, in 2019. The House um, passed an appropriations bill that has no funding for Yucca Mountain, but $25 million for interim storage working at stranded reactor sites and promoting regional transportation compacts. that's obviously not sufficient money to do this, but this would be a way of of moving forward uh, with these sort of private uh, sites. The Senate has not acted yet on any of this legislation. Uh, presumably sometime in September they will act, and so then we'll see. What the political dynamic is in terms of whether the Senate keeps doing what it's been doing or whether it does something different. So uh, that's something we are uh, watching, and will um, try to to influence what happens. Uh, eventually, in September or October, there will be some kind of meeting between a few people in the House and a few people of the Senate that'll decide <clears throat> what the final appropriations language uh, should look like. On the authorizing side, again, many of you know and opposed last year uh, a bill in the House called H.R. 3053 sponsored by Mr. Shimkus from Illinois um, that would have changed the Nuclear Waste Policy Act both to promote Yucca Mountain and to allow, change the law so that these private uh, storage sites uh, would be uh, Allowed to operate. Um, that, uh, to, to show you kind of the battle we have in Congress, the House passed that bill by a vote of 340 to 72. Uh, the Senate didn't act on that bill, so of course this year uh, they're starting over. There are there have been bills introduced in both the House and Senate. There have been hearings in both the House and the Senate, uh, the House Energy Committee, the Senate Environment Committee, and the Senate Energy Committee uh, on these uh pieces of legislation that in one way or another would change the Nuclear Waste Policy Act to promote some kind of consolidated storage. Um and so Obviously, again, we want to fight um, against those that uh, those uh, bills as well so that hopefully uh, Congress will end up not uh, providing any money in the appropriations process for any of these things um, but also uh, won't change the law to um, to allow these kind of private consolidated storage sites um, so that's you know, sort of an overview of that, uh, and obviously people around the country can uh, weigh in um, on the um, congressional stuff as well. I want to come back to what else is going to be happening with Holtec and um, the ISP proposals. Um, since they are going through this NRC licensing process, there will need to be draft and final environmental impact statements issued. And so, again, that will be another opportunity for people in New Mexico and Texas to attend hearings and oppose those sites as uh, we have done in both cases. Um, But also, again, people around the country will have a chance to um, make comments to the NRC about that. Um, NRC has said that the date they're currently planning to issue the whole tech draft environmental impact statement is March of next year and so there would be hearings and comment after that um, presumably sometime next year they haven't said exactly when there will be a similar process for the WCS um, interim storage partners um, uh, draft environmental impact statement as well so those are things for people to be aware of um, as David mentioned, uh, what's happening with the uh, governor of, of Texas? Um, we have a new administration in New Mexico as of January of 2019. The previous administration was mildly to more than mildly supportive of the Holtec uh, project. Our new governor is very strongly opposed, and she has said that. Um, the state land commissioner. Um, Again, a new land commissioner has strongly objected to it and has pointed out that uh, in fact Holtec does not have the mineral rights at this site, which means there could be oil and gas drilling actually being done you know, At the same time, there is uh, waste being there, which is obviously doesn't make any sense. Um, but it also, again, shows kind of the, the, the level and some of the ability the state has to um, uh, oppose this project. Um, so why don't I stop there and see what kinds of questions uh, the three of us have generated, if any.
0: Great. Um thank you, Don, and thank you, Rose, and thank you, David. Um so now if people have uh questions and comments and please do keep the comments brief. We have uh, a goodly amount of time. We'll go until about um I guess we've got for about fifty minutes um for interactions here. You uh Push star six, and then you will be. will um, be. will be notified that you want to speak, and then um, in the order that that happens, uh, we'll uh, unmute you, and you can talk. Um, I while that while people are are doing that, I wanted to see if Rose had anything to say about. Um, uh, let's see, David mentioned that they hadn't heard out in Midland about any um, accidents or problems during the operation of the nuclear site at Waste Control Specialists during its years of operation. Um, I'm wondering, Rose, if you had any um, information that you might be willing to provide about your knowledge on that. Okay, thanks,
3: Diane. Um, to be honest, um, I wouldn't be privy to what's gone on maybe in the facility, but I can tell you this: over the last i would say three and a half years, I've seen two grass fires um, that actually came so close to the facility that it was it was it was quite scary. I actually drove by both of them um, because I happened to be in the area. And you couldn't hardly miss it. The smoke was billowing all over to the east. Uh, the facility lies east of town. Uh, the railroad crosses in front um, uh, between units and the facility a little way. But the spur comes around to the back of the facility that, that takes the cargo into WCS. But anyway... My understanding was that reading later on Facebook, uh, the US Fire Department chief made a comment about thanks to the other communities that helped respond to the fire. Mm-hmm. And that would have been the most recent one. And, you know, because just consider that. that oh. You've got this whole pasture on fire, and there's already low-level nuclear waste at WCS. But remember, Urenco's right next to it. And they have depleted uranium in waste containers sitting right outside of their facility. They haven't uh, actually made uh, plans for disposal of that stuff since they started business. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, it is concerning. It's it's already. I already see some of this happening. I can't really conceive in my mind of having this other dangerous life-threatening stuff sitting on a pad. And that's what they're going to do in WCS, is just put the containers on some type of a cement or asphalt slab, and there'll be like eight of them. That's what I heard of the, at the Topic Safety Licensing Board. Eight pads of concrete poured, and the containers just sit there. Anything could happen. There's a highway that runs uh, north and south, And east and west, you know, just use your imagination a little bit. Of course, we know there's three airports nearby. Conceive of an accident from an aircraft, deliberate or otherwise. Just different things like that 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 I know of. But at the same time, um, I can't really say I've heard of anything within the facility, especially recently, but that's just not kind of privy to me at all.
0: Okay. I thought that there were some worker um, stories that you'd had. Um, The first call is Blue Ridge Environmental. I've unmuted you.
5: Hello. I think you're talking to me. I'm not familiar with the system. This is Lou Zeller uh, with uh, Executive Director of Blue Ridge Environmental Defense League. I'm in North Carolina. And um, my question is, what kind of a national effort can we assemble that will uh, not only protect the sites uh, that have been mentioned by uh, David and Rose and Don as well and also
6: mm-hmm.
5: raise the bar to a uh, a national effort on a national effort. Um, I can just say that uh, Blue Ridge was Instrumental in putting together the Southern Environmental Network back in the 1980s when the Nuclear uh, Waste Policy Act was looking for a site as close to my home as 20 miles. One of the 12 most suitable sites deemed by the Department of Energy back then was in Madison County, North Carolina. And uh, so, anyway, we organized and working with a nationwide uh, loosely knit coalition um, over the years. Long story short was the Congress changed the law in 1987, like Dee pointed out. So um, that's the kind of effort that I see necessary here, and some of the same lies that we heard about, about nuclear waste and hospitals and and, and things like that, are, are being retreaded and trotted out by the industry again. Uh, you know, a strategy session to kind of thrash out how to combat those lies and put our own vision forward uh, would be what I think uh, we should, we would certainly put um, our efforts into. And so um, I'm appreciative of NIRS putting this call together today in uh, as a step in the right direction. So um, David and Rose, we'd, I'd like to meet you and uh, put together a, a nationwide plan. Well, this the is thing that.
0: Go ahead, David.
1: I would like to mention this website, uh, no org, and it talks a lot about um, the different groups and what we did last week and what's going on out here. And I will say that with Diane, who came to the hearings last week, there must have been at least uh, half a dozen different organizations involved that did come out here.
0: And we, um, in the decades, several of us have, our organizations have been working on this issue um, for many, many years. And what was successful in the past was notifying uh, people all along the way of the dangers and uh, working to stop more waste from being generated, but to certainly uh, keep it off the roads and rails and waterways until uh, there is a permanent way to isolate it uh, rather than moving it back and forth around the country. So uh, yes, I think uh, we should reestablish um, a nationwide, perhaps international um, collective to to turn this around, to stop these bad ideas and to keep them illegal. They certainly are illegal still.
5: I appreciate that, and I think it was, Rose, you mentioned about the people who would be, I guess D was, about 87% congressional districts would be impacted by the transport. I have uh, still, sitting beside the barn on the place where I live here in western North Carolina, uh, the G9 mock-up, full-size mock-up, uh, mounted on a trailer of a nuclear waste canister which we were given by the Nevada nuclear West task force uh decades ago and we used it to good effect to illustrate to people what we we're talking about it was a real eye catcher and it was a it was good for publicity it was good for road shows and you know we could talk about all that at some kind of a strategy session but that cask is available. We would make it available. And we would turn it over to someone who was ready to uh, take the baton and move the uh, campaign forward on a national, nationwide anti-nuclear waste transport
1: campaign.
0: David's we, just uh, had several press conferences with an inflatable one. Did you want to address that? Yeah. David? Well,
1: well, the people uh, involved with NoNuclearWaste.org did ship out that uh, inflatable canister, and interestingly, we were able to set it up on somebody's parking lot, which was
2: right next to
1: the railroad tracks, so it made for a a great visual, and inexplicably, a train came by just as we were about to kick off our press conference at 2 p.m., so... We had no idea what the train schedule was, but it became very clear to all the press people that uh, this is not a good idea. Uh, if you Our go next
0: caller. That, oh, I'm sorry. Our next uh, caller is uh, Maggie Gunderson.
7: Hey, I got the other one here. It's Arnie. Okay. Ma- Maggie is here too. Yeah, I have a, a question about um, uh, corporate structure and liability. When the nuclear fuel leaves the site, who owns it? Is it still owned by you know the um, in South Carolina, V.C. Summer, or is it owned by uh, one of these uh, limited liability corporations that are being set up just to run this uh, this interim dump? And the follow up question to that is that when one of these canisters leak, it's not a question of if, yes, it's a question of when they leak. Is the county on the line for the cleanup, or is there some vehicle to go after a company that has no assets, a limited liability corporation, to, uh, to get them to clean it up? Thank you. I'll, I'll go on move here. Okay.
0: Don, you want to do that one? Or- so um,
4: that's an excellent question that, in fact, has not been resolved. Both... Uh, As we've mentioned, both uh, Interim Storage Partners and Holtec want the answer to the question of who owns the fuel, who has title, who's responsible for it, who's responsible for paying for it, to be the Department of Energy. But that that can't happen until and unless the federal law is changed. Uh, when pressed on that point, uh, and they have been uh, legally in terms of the legal challenges in the licensing, as well as uh, in, uh, for example, before the a committee of the New Mexico State Legislature, um, what Holtec has said, and I presume ISP is saying sort of the same thing, is well, if if the 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 law isn't changed, and if it can't be d o e then of course it would it would in, have to continue to be the utilities that have because um under existing law it's the utilities that have uh, title to the fuel until d o e takes it to the repository um, so it seems to me uh very doubtful so that would that would be the law but it seems to me very doubtful that utilities would in fact um be willing to do that in theory some utilities were willing to try to do that at private fuel storage in utah that we mentioned earlier um i find it hard to imagine that would happen uh today <clears throat> but 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 Ar- the, Arnie, the answer to your question is nobody knows. Um, as I say, the companies would like it to be DOE. Under they all uh, both agree that under existing law, DOE can't do it, and so then it comes back, and you ask the question as it has been asked before the New Mexico State Legislature. Well, which utilities have signed agreements with you hole Tech for for you to be responsible for their waste, but they? Re, re, maintain the title, uh, legal liability, and the cost of transporting it it. and of course the answer was, well, we don't have any of those agreements yet.
0: Under the current law, the department, the, the intent was that the waste would um, move directly from the reactor site to a permanent repository, and the Department of Energy would take title to it uh, when it went to the permanent repository. The supposedly interim sites, uh, the law doesn't provide for title to transfer. However, they want to get that money, and so that's why they need to change the law. In fact, at one point earlier on in the licensing process, the waste control specialists ISP, in terms storage partners, uh, people said we're not even going to operate it unless the DOE, Department of Energy, uh, has the liability. So what these guys want to do is get out the money from the decommissioning fund of the reactors, the, the judgment funds that have been paid off to the utilities from the federal taxpayers uh, for not having a permanent dump yet and, and for storage at the site, and then they want part of this um, other money that is uh, money for permanent disposal even though they're not providing it. I'm going to open up the next. Uh, Laura Silva?
1: Hello? Is yes, there.
2: my name is Lauro Silva. I live in Albuquerque, okay. New Mexico. Uh, when we were organizing against the WIPP project, I was the lead organizer statewide, and from 1978 to uh, 1982, we were able to organize a uh, statewide coalition the uh, Citizens for Alternative to Radioactive Dumping. Uh, and mo- the main thing is that we were able to hold off for almost 25 years, until uh, the governor Bill Richardson came in, uh, he was the head of the, uh, the Department of Energy and Secretary of the Department of Energy, and he opened the doors wide open to do that. Now, the big problem that that we have had in the past and that still exists today is that the politicians, the local policymakers, uh, from the Carlsbad. City Council, the County Commissions, the Hobbs, and most of those municipalities have been uh, totally supportive of, of these, uh, these industries coming in there because they see uh, bills, uh, money in their pockets. So I totally agree with the uh, efforts in terms of a strategic plan nationally and internationally to have big conferences like we had back then, Rosalie Bertel. Um, we had uh, Charles Hyder, the uh, scientist, and organizers like John Liebendorfer and other uh, people from the different communities statewide. We had 87% of the public in New Mexico was opposed to the WIP project. And I think that anything, that I, I want to congratulate all of you for the intense work that you've been doing, carrying the ball forward, putting together the data, the the important uh, legislative and uh, congressional uh, hearings um, but we need to create that groundswell uh, of the constituencies in those communities to be able to bring that about I'd I, I like to see and I hope that 's uh, somehow in the background uh, that, uh, that there is a strategic plan being developed in order to create that groundswell and basically that's my question uh, how can we do that any ideas and how we can begin to do that Again, congratulations. I appreciate all of you. The livelihood of our families, the biological impacts uh, for thousands of years, quarter of a million years for some of these radioactive elements. A lot of uh, educating needs to be done, mobilizing the the universities, not only the scientists but the students and other folks, whether it be the Rotary Club, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, any of those. Certainly, the Price-Anderson Act will not cover the damage that, that can occur as a result of a, 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 an accident in, in, in any of those uh, uh, large populations along the, the transportation route. Transuranic waste was what the Wit project uh, had and still has. It's not just low-level waste. People have been misled about rubber booties and all that. It's much more than that. And that's why it's so dangerous. Now high-level waste itself, uh, it'll, it'll fry you if you're close enough to it, and you won't last uh, more than a week or so. So these are some of the concerns that we have still, uh, and I'll, I'll try to be there for, for you. Uh, I haven't, I've been kind of out of it, but I'd like to uh, encourage you and, uh, and mobilize as much uh, groundswell. Uh, all those uh, locals and also the congressional uh, people need to be aware of it. We'll continue to work uh, with our local legislators in New Mexico. Uh, thanks again. Appreciate you very much. And, Thank uh, you. And i like to hear about the strategic Thank plan you. that we can develop. Any ideas?
0: Yes. And uh, also I would encourage people to join some of the organizations that are, are here today, uh, Southwest Research, NIRS, uh um, APIS um, Alliance for Envi- uh, Environmental Strategies, and they have a website at www.nirs.org, sric.org, and no nuclear um, and become active. Welcome back to the fight. Unfortunately, it's still here. The next person we have is uh, is it Rick Mermelstein.
8: Um, no, actually, it's Michelle Lee, the, the okay. spouse thereof. Uh, I
9: see.
8: <laughs> um, so, just I just want to alert people. Um, for, I think Lou Zeller had asked about um, a national g- defense campaign. There's actually Nears um, is having a grassroots uh, conference calls uh, on been on a monthly basis. I think the next one is scheduled for August 22nd. Um, so maybe, either, maybe, Diane, you could send out information to, to people on the call. Um, people can might... contact us, and we'll, uh, the way that we yeah. do those is people contact us, and we will uh, be glad to um,
0: incorporate everyone into the, the work.
8: Yeah, because I I, I th- I'm very excited. I, I know I've been, you know, on, on some of those calls. Uh, we're, we're, it's strength in numbers, and the joining of forces around the nation is, is crucial. Um, I just want to bring up uh, a couple of points that tie into to, uh, issues raised by a couple of the other people. Um, Rose had mentioned the grass. I, I, I've been very focused on issues having to do with the climate change, which is one issue that has not been considered in any of these studies other than as a sort of ancillary mention. Um, and for instance, this is particularly with, with obviously the, the Western United States, you're having things such as firenados now. You know, this is a fire phenomenon that that, that barely even existed a decade ago. Um, but because of the, the you know, the, the, what's happening with the the, you know, atmospheric changes and, and the weather conditions, you know, those are things where you you have lightning strikes without rain, and you have these high winds. Um, so that's one thing. In in New Mexico, for instance, um, the NRC noted this, but as far as I could tell, nobody really did anything about it. Um, for the New Mexico site. The, the uh, um, thermal model boundary conditions uh, that, that were put forth by, for high store for the, in the SAR uh, looked at the, the summer months and noted that the... the um, That's the CASC type. I don't think people know those acronyms. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that CASC type was looking at, at normal conditions of 62 degrees Fahrenheit as a parameter. Now, you're dealing with three months of the year where these sites are now having temperature ranges 92, 93, and they're going way up, and the, and the long heat waves are going to continue and get worse, and that's been, not been paid attention to in any of the modeling. Um, when you add in fire to the, to the regular heat, um, you know th- these are I think sort of a- Achilles heels of the analyses that we can all sort of join in on, and of course, it also relates w- when you're talking about um, natural disasters and things like that it obviously also relates to the the uh, transportation. So that's just some uh, ideas. Um, and I also I, I did not know that there was uh, water being pooled in the, the, the site in, in Texas. that That is really of concern. I Did you have a question mid. for any of the yeah, Well, it's, it's just I, I wonder if, if people have been focusing on these issues, and if not, that might be something that if people want to get involved in these grassroots calls, um, you, you know, okay. we can collaborate on. Okay. Anybody want to talk about the water or any
0: response to that?
1: Well, I think the Landsat or
0: uh And this is images, David speaking.
1: Yeah, David Rosen, yeah. I think the Landsat images are readily available. I wish I could tell you exactly what um, number photo to ask for, but when you look at them, it's just simple to see that generally the casks are usually not sitting in water, but uh, on one side of the pit there is water and on the other side there's the gasks and um, I'll get that information to Diane and you'll be able to provide it to people for exactly which Landsat photos people can get to see these uh, uh, the water in the pits where the low, quote low level unquote waste is stored.
6: Okay, Joe Green is from New York. Hi, it's Mana Green from um, uh, Clearwater, Hudson River Sloop Clearwater, and we work on Indian Point, but I wanted to point out two things that might be helpful. Uh, On November 8th through 10th in Albuquerque, there is going to be a national summit, and there are a group of us who are working on a draft strategic plan that will be debuted and, you know, there'll be input and discussion. Um, and also, um, I want to refer people, if you're not aware, that on May 13th we held a congressional briefing in Washington, D.C., and that is completely documented, videotaped, the PowerPoints, all of the substantiating uh, documents on a website called EESI.org. And then you click on past briefings, and uh, the um, briefing was called Decommissioning a New Era in the U.S. Nuclear Power Industry A Critical Need for Congressional Oversight. And then the third thing is that every Friday, every other Friday morning, we are holding national calls. Um, that focus on meetings with elected officials so we would love to grow that we have good representation from San Onofre, Zion Indian point oyster Creek and some from New England uh, but um, uh, we'd really you know and we do talk about um, CIS and transportation as well um, but Most of us are focused on how to do the safest possible decommissioning at the many reactors across the country that um, have the waste uh, and will be closing in the next, in in Indian Point's case, in the next two years. But over the next decade or two, they'll all be facing decommissioning. So um, if anyone would like to join that group, um, you can contact me, manajo at org. And I don't have a question, but I wanted to be sure people were aware. Okay. Sheila Parks.
10: Hi, this is Sheila Parks from um, Massachusetts, founder of the local group uh, on behalf of Planet Earth. So I want to say thank you to everybody working on this so hard for so long. And I wanted to say that you know, for me, the situation, as I'm sure for all of us, is so drastic and so bad, and they keep on adding, you know, they just added 40 years now to build new nuclear reactors, as I'm sure you all saw. I want to know why we don't up the ante and do nonviolent civil disobedience in somebody's office, like uh, Cory Booker, who has signed millions of dollars to the nuclear power industry in 2018, at the end of 2018. Anyhow, I'm, I don't want to go after Cory Booker specifically. I'm just saying, using his name. But I think we need to up the anti-350. Um, they do CD. The people against the pipeline, they do CD. It's time that we do it. It's past time, it seems to me. And that's my history. I mean, I'm not just coming to this. I did a lot of nonviolent civil disobedience with the barragans, et cetera, the Catholic left around nuclear weapons, and I think it's time that nuclear power starts doing that. That's it. Okay. Thanks, Sheila. I would like and to, to
0: comment, some of you people would like to comment. Um, do any of the speakers want to? I can then go. So uh, over the decades and years, Nuclear Information Resource Service has coordinated with other uh, regional groups, um, particularly in the Northeast and the Upper Midwest, um, action camps with training, um, technical education, political education, and um, accompanying those. There were direct actions uh, with opportunities for both legal and um, civil disobedience at some of the reactor sites. So um, our organizations have have done that in the past, and I think that uh, it's certainly a tool that is is um, you know that is something that is within our toolbox that we need to use when when the uh, situation arises. So if there's a particular situation that you think. Um, you know, needs different types of action. I think we need to look at the larger picture of where we're going with this and uh, uh, do it wisely. What were the years that those were done, the um, nonviolent civil disobedience? Situation? I have been here for over 30 years, and I can't remember which years were the, the action camp years. Uh, Tim, do you know?
7: Uh, yes, those were uh,
4: done for, uh, from 1998
0: to 2001. Oh, so it's a long time ago. I mean, not know when something... That's was, when the situation arose.
10: Well, you know, that's what I want to talk about. You say when a situation arose. I mean, do you want it to be even more dire than it is now? I, I can think of, you know, the situations all over the country.
0: hmm Now, that's my because, opinion. Well, what I'm saying is that you've got no resistance here, um, that you've got people who have done it, and... Um, you know, let's plan whatever needs to be done. Uh, I don't think we can do it right on this call here, uh, but it, it's something. I guess the question might be is whether the communities, the frontline communities, uh, would be in a situation where that would be um, a tool that they that they're ready for, or mm-hmm. along the transport routes, or in Congress, or wherever. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna um, move on to uh, the next uh, caller here. It looks like this: be Cynthia Wheeler. Is that who it is? Hello, Cynthia.
9: Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, this is Cindy Wheeler in San Fe. and um, there's a, I guess what what I keep thinking as people are talking about strategies, and they're all good. Um, one that seems really important to me is just education, um, and that includes education of the people that are the younger decision makers that are going to be here after us and the public. Um, and and I don't mean putting out um, brochures and things like that that people read because um, I, I think – You have to be motivated to do that, but possibly doing demonstrations or something like that, some kind of action, doesn't have to be a a protest, but something that brings it home to people. And um, if they've got then some ammunition, then they they can work with other people on it. But education seems to be key. The other thing I wanted to ask, I got in late. Um, I'm not sure what Interim Storage Partners is. Can you explain where they came
1: in? Yeah. Um, yeah. Interim's um, WCS, which is was Waste Control yeah. Specialists, was financially going down the tubes, and mm-hmm. it that company got additional funding and partnered with some other companies, and it's now called Interim Storage Partners. Okay, thank
9: you so much. And that's what, I, that's what I had to say. I'm coming from the position of just a science educator. I always think in those terms, and I don't know if anyone else is interested in kind of strategizing on that, on education.
0: I think there's a lot of interest in that. Um, we are, I mean, do, do other... Um, Speakers want to talk about that, the kind of education that might be going on in your states, and your communities?
1: Well, this is David again. Um, I know here in Midland we are doing our best to get people to write letters to the editor, put it in the local paper. The city is only about 130,000 140,000 people at most, but uh, we're doing as much publicity as we can, and the most knowledgeable speakers trying to get to visit various uh, groups that have luncheon speakers, Uh, for example, the Lions Club and Rotary and uh, those type of organizations who um, would be happy to have luncheon speakers. It's not partisan in the least. Uh, uh, Both sides of the aisle have taken money from uh, nuclear waste companies and – uh, so, that's what we're trying to do here in uh, West Texas.
3: Mm-hmm. I, there,
9: you know, there's a, a an example of something I'm thinking about. I don't think a lot of people really understand the enormity of the time that nuclear waste is around, and so, you know, I mean, you can you can take time and turn it into distance and show them a ribbon that shows how long 20 half-lives of something is. Things like that, it's not partisan, just like you said. It's just factual stuff that most people don't know. They also don't know that most of that waste turns into other waste, radioactive waste, that then has to go through its 20 half-lives. And so the more you can kind of educate people about things like that, I think the more they'll start to... um, be thinking about it more
4: so this is Don Hancock let me mention a couple of things in that regard there are some people in New Mexico so yes there is a general agreement that we need to have um, more educational outreach in New Mexico related to the whole tech proposal there are a group of folks um, including Diane DeRigo Uh, and some local folks who are trying to put together some resources um, to make it easier for uh, multiple people to do that using kind of a model that was developed in northeastern New Mexico a couple of years ago when there was a proposal to do a deep borehole research um, project uh, in theory to help identify whether deep borehole technology could be used for high-level waste. Um, And so this is uh, northeastern New Mexico, uh, generally pretty conservative uh, ranching farming uh, country and through doing a lot of educational work, the kinds of things you mentioned in terms of clubs and churches and schools, as well as uh, local and county legislative bodies getting groups like the cattle growers and and other folks involved. Um, they were able to uh, educate people who had not been involved in nuclear waste issues ever, uh, and get uh, huge uh, community turnout in opposition to um, that proposal. So uh, that's a recent example of a kind of a very concentrated educational effort in a small part of New Mexico it wasn't they didn't go statewide um but um so yes there is there's definitely awareness of, of the need to do more of that, and they say we do have one uh, recent example on a small scale of that working quite uh successfully uh in New Mexico.
0: Great. Thank you. And we have um, another person calling in here, Clay. Clay, are you with us? Turnbull?
11: Kick off mute. There we go. Hi there. Hi. I, I just have to, this is Clay Turnbull with New England Coalition on Nuclear Pollution in Brattleboro, Vermont. And um, I am really pleased to be on this call and uh, want to extend a... Um, I, don't, I don't know quite the word. We're on the sending end, you know? It's the, the waste fuel that's sitting... 200 feet from the Connecticut River at Vermont Yankee um, is you know if, if if Holtec gets their way obviously they want to see that heading to your neighborhood and that's not a great plan um, and it's also not great where it's stored now um, we had advocated when they were building uh, second Storage pad that it be across the street, about three quarters of, of a mile away from the river. Um, we'd rather see better storage on on site. Uh, but wait, I, actually, I didn't have a question. I just wanted to say how how great it is to hear your voices and concerns, um, uh, uh, and. And also that just to put out that we're we're in a kind of a unique situation because Scott State, who uh is the I think the CEO of uh the folks that are trying Northstar? to um, North Star No, he, well he is a C he is the CEO of North Star, um but uh, in charge of decommissioning Vermont Yankee, and I think they got the, a couple other contracts. But they're the ones behind um, the the Holtec plans at WC, at Waste Control Specialists. Two different Formerly, sites.
0: Two different sites. Waste Control in Texas it, and Holtec in New Mexico.
11: Okay. So, so I take it back. It, it, it's not the Holtec... Uh, Scott State is behind the site in Texas. Yep. So it's a kind of a unique situation. Um, um, we have a working a working relationship with Scott State to get a community uh, a, a stakeholder advisory group together, um, and we haven't haven't talked. <laughs> formally in any way about uh, Texas, but it's just uh, it's kind of crazy to see the the tight how how small the uh, the nuclear party is after all these years anyway i I just well, what say you're
0: raising is the um, a new Um, business model for managing nuclear waste Uh, North Star wants to actually buy the whole reactor and have and and that's one way that they would get at the different funds the the, the decommissioning fund, the damages or judgment fund and then potentially if the law is changed then the nuclear waste fund and I think these companies are doing what they can to um, have as cheap uh, a a decommissioning as they can pull off and get out the pot of money that is allotted for it and not necessarily provide the isolation that's going to be needed for the indefinite future. So the North Star model at Vermont Yankee and then we have um, Holtec and it's uh, consortium that it is forming to buy up uh, with uh, SNC-Lavalin uh, to buy try to buy up reactors and actually uh, move the waste then to their site and have access to the um, to those, those pots of money that are out there. Just looking here to see if we've got any other callers. I do not see anyone else right now. So that gives us a a couple of minutes. If each of the speakers would like to say anything else, we could um, go to you for, you know, whatever kind of closing remarks you might want to have. And um, is there anybody that wants to do that?
1: Well, this is David Rosen again. And one of the conundrums, one of the stupidest things that we saw in that hearing last week was while Interim Storage Partners is applying for a license to temporarily store high-level nuclear waste, whenever we would mention about uh, the transportation to that site, their comeback would be, well, we're, we're not talking about anything other than the site itself, as if Transportation to the site uh, was completely separate from the site itself, and so um, it was interesting that they were trying to make a complete separate uh, license, with com- completely separate from the fact that if they get a license, high-level storage, uh, high-level nuclear waste will somehow have to show up there. And they weren't concerned about that in the least.
0: Yes, the segmentation in the nuclear establishment. (laughs) I wanted to say one more thing on transport, which is that depending on whether the shipments would be mostly by truck or mostly by train, we could have in the teens of thousands uh, when the Yucca Mountain Environmental Impact Statement was being carried out and that site uh, was limited to 70,000 metric tons, we already have 80,000 metric tons in the country, um, shipments to Yucca would have been um, in, in the range of 14,000, 15,000 shipments. And that's on a daily or many days a week basis for 40. Or 50 years moving across the country so um, earlier people said hundreds of shipments it depends what community you're in how many shipments would go through but if you're in um, if you're in Texas and New Mexico near the the destination for this stuff you'd have pretty much all of the shipments coming in through your communities Uh, and of course the, the dangers of transport are enormous we have a separate whole uh, t- tell a telebriefing or two on that on the nearest website. Um, do Rose or Don want to have any closing remarks?
3: Hi, Diane. It's Rose. Um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to add um, that what David said about transportation is absolutely true. Uh, the other thing is, of course, that these three Judges on the panel were so cynical. It's like they—they they were just making time out of a busy day to listen to what we ha- had to say, what the attorneys had to say, out of kindness of their heart. I feel like uh, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and the ASLB, the Atomic Safety Licensing Board, they're so jaded. Uh, certainly, the judges were the, the more experienced. But the NRC staff seems so inexperienced, so young. How can they use the 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 old adage of "we have lessons learned" when they haven't even begun to live? So unfortunately, I'm not um, I'm not really excited about dealing with that staff. But at the same time. It is what it is. So we go onward and we fight and we will continue to connect with folks out there that want to help. Uh, We need all the help we can get because this is a big one, folks, and they're not fooling. They're not playing around. So whatever information that we can get, throw a wrench into the application process or even uh, finding out information about, The stakeholders involved, you know, if we can use any information regarding bribery and tax evasion or whatever, we will use whatever we can. So we appreciate you listening, and hopefully uh, we can all reach across the lines and and find some kind of really uh, real solution, permanent storage.
0: Oh, we only have three minutes, but it looks like um, Lou is back in the queue, and then we'll go to Don.
6: Uh, uh
5: thank you Dee. your comment and Dave and uh and uh the other comment about transportation I think were spot on I just wanted to say that um our comments that we submitted I submitted back in October have are footnoted with a lot of information about transportation so I think you and, and Dave are uh and raised the right questions and uh I would happily share that with you if you if people want that.
0: Definitely so.
5: Information is not a strategy, though, so I would say this is good for now, but we need more later. (laughs) And we can whoop again. We whooped them one time.
0: We whooped them more than once. More than once. Yeah.
5: All right. Thank you for organizing this call today. I did want to say thank you.
0: You're welcome. And uh, Don, do you want to close us out here?
4: Well, thanks for everybody's uh, participation and, and comments and questions. Um, yes, uh, we have uh, beaten these kinds of proposals before. We will beat this one. Um, the, the issue that several people have raised about national strategy is important. There have been meetings in the past. There's, As was mentioned, there's the, the next sort of national gathering is November 8th to 10th through in in Albuquerque, so people who are interested and able to come to that, um, we're certainly interested in coming, and hopefully coming out of that will be uh, more of a strategic plan about not only stopping the consolidated storage sites, which I'm confident that we will do and continuing to stop Yucca Mountain, which I'm confident we will do, but also how to deal better with the kind of issues that Clay and Manajo and other people uh, who are dealing with um, the waste where it is uh, in their communities, how we do a better job of working on uh, that one as well, and getting, uh, I think people, uh, increasing numbers of people are educated and understand that consolidated storage in Yucca Mountain don't work. We need to figure out how to, in addition to do more education to affected community folks, get the politicians to start catching up with with where people are. Thanks.
0: And thanks, everyone. Um, NEARS will be doing an alert shortly uh, in in the next weeks to come. Um, So get on our... um, Uh, get on our uh, alert list. If you're not, you can do that by the website and uh, we'll be, uh, you know, probably encouraging uh, 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 commenting to Congress. And while your um, Congress members are home through the month of August, take this opportunity to uh, approach them at whatever events they, they go to and let them know that you're concerned about the transport and the the management and the, the storage of nuclear waste and the really bad policies that, that are, uh, we're being threatened with. And in the alert, we hope to have some uh, easy to print out short little handouts that people can use to flyer uh, for the, the recess while the Congress members are at home and senators. Uh, thank you to uh, Southwest Re- Research, Don, to um, Rose. And AFH and to David Rosen for joining us, uh, and to all of you for calling in the uh, Nuclear Information Resource Service signing out on our uh, January, our uh, July 2019 uh, quarterly uh, telebriefing.